the word of the Lord in Jeremiah 3.15, and I'll give you shepherds according to my own heart. And those shepherds will feed you with knowledge and with understanding. So church, would you join with me this morning in welcoming Josh Kirkus as he comes share for a little bit. Uh, thank you guys for uh, welcoming me. Uh, I uh, am a father of five children, and uh, uh, well, they're not all children anymore, but but some of them are grown up. So, uh, first of all, I'd like to uh, recognize a few people that have uh, helped me in my journey since I've been here at Grace. I want to thank you, Steve, for walking with me over the last two to three years. And welcoming me into this family and and taking care of me, helping me get get from you know a defeated uh, a guy to to a champion in Christ. Amen. And uh, yeah, with that, I want to thank you, Gretchen. You've uh, you've been a father to me at times in the spirit. You've had to say some things to me that that uh, I needed to hear. I want to thank Marlon. I want to, uh, Corey, I want to thank Ed Kinschlow. I want to thank Don Willer. I want to thank, um, uh, <laughs> Ron Garman. And I want to thank Ron Bridges. It's always the R's that get me. Uh, these men, I've known them different lengths of time, but the Lord has spoken to the, through them to me on different occasions and really just fathered me and nurtured me, uh, into the confidence that I stand with today. Um, I also want to thank Dustin Murray, who I've walked with in disciple making from Heritage Church for the last year and a half. And, uh, it's been good and right. So, all right, let's just go to the Lord in prayer, please. Father, Dad, happy Father's Day. I love you so much. I'm so thankful for this opportunity, Lord, to stand and declare your word to welcome people in your name, to love them regardless of who they are or where they've come from. Father, I ask right now that you would just fill me, Lord, with everything that you want me to say right now, Lord. I'm a vessel fit for the kingdom of God because you've made it so. And so, Father, I just give you free reign. I'm a vessel, Lord. I'm empty. Have your way with me, Lord. Hallelujah. Jesus you have been given all authority in heaven and earth. And you have commanded me to go and make disciples. And so, Father, thank you, Jesus. I honor you. Here we go. Amen. <clears throat> yeah, this is right. This is good. You see, every single one of us, are going to be put on display, and we always are. You know, from the time we wake up in the morning till the time we go to bed, the Lord wants to shine His light through us. And so we all have different ways of arriving in God's place, you know, and, and into His family. Some of us, He fished out of, out of horrible situations, and some of us were doing all right, but He come along and said, you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> Come on over here and let me show you. So however we got here, let's just get one thing straight, that we're all family right now. All right. So I'm going to do my best to get through some of these slides. Let's just roll with it. I'm going to loosen up as we go. (laughs) All right. 
So, you know, it's funny because uh, when Steve asked me to, to do this, I, you know, I've told the Lord that if I'm asked, I'll say yes, because it's not my life anymore. It's his. So with that, I was sitting there and I was like, man, what am I going to talk about? You know, and what am I going to do and all that? And I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm in my garage going, but Lord. And all of a sudden I look up and my whiteboard, I've been in there all week with the Lord reading and studying and taking notes. And all of a sudden I had this whole list of stuff and he was like, duh. And I was like, oh, man, this is getting easy. So I literally took a picture of my whiteboard and sent it in and said, here's my notes. I mean, that's what it's about. If we're if we're winning in private, we're going to be winning in public. We've learned this. Okay, so I'm going to share a little bit kind of my life as we go through these. These are not this is not an exhaustive list or anything, any kind of order that you I want you to try to write down and try to try to follow and try to say, hey, you know, this is the way things are. But this is the way things are in my life and in your life in a way. And so here's another thing I want to do right now. Um, I just want everybody, if you'll help me through this and be a part of us. And, and uh, whenever I talk about something or I, I, as I'm sharing, when you see yourself in this, whether it's on a happy note or on a, a, a little bit of a check, to your spirit, will you do something with me? Will you just say out loud, Father, I hear you? Or just say, be bold and say, Lord, I hear you. Or that's me or that was me. You know, this is not just for you guys to sit up here and watch me do something. This is, you know, the, the mouth and the ear are one. In this body, in this, you know, we're one body. So what we really want to do is like, it's not for me to be up here at you. And Steve has modeled this so well for us. Um, this is really for us to come together and, and give glory to our father. And so as we declare and we speak out, we learn that we have power. So adopted sons of God, we are chosen in love. I mean, that chosen in love is the, the absolute truth. So in his love, We've found a family in his love. We've found acceptance. We've found everything. So when the Lord found me, <clears throat> I was, uh, I was, uh, I prepared my children for this because they didn't even know a lot of things, uh, about me. But when, when he found me, I was in a dark place doing all the wrong things. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, yes, this is getting easier. Thank you. Okay, so when he fished me out, I had no idea. I mean, it just blindsided me. But there was a love, and I've heard so many people share that there was a moment where they just felt this love that they couldn't explain or they couldn't, you know, they couldn't talk about. And um, so that's kind of what happened to me, you know. Um, and then, all right. And then he uh, gave me a, uh, a song at that point. Well, a little bit later, a couple of years later. You guys have no idea how many times he's fished me out. <laughs> All right. All right. So let's see here. But the first thing that happened after I got adopted and I was filled with his spirit and I walked away from a drug addiction that I could not beat. Oh, yeah, I can't read it there. It's too small. Here we go. Uh, we, are, we are able to see our whole crooked life. When the Holy Spirit shows us something, he's able to show us 
man, so much. He can show us in one moment, past, present, and future, if he chooses to do that. So in my uh, experience, the axe was laid to the root of my earthy, edemic family tree. So what happened for me was I came from a family lineage from Adam that was full of everything that was opposed to God. And so I actually had a grandpa that died in prison in his 30s because he chose a life of crime. And that's where he ended up. And then there were some health issues that happened, I guess. And he didn't come out of prison. My grandpa on the other side died of a heart attack at age 49. And he uh, would not step foot in a church as far as I'm told. I know nothing about either one of them, really. Um, so and on our family tree... Everybody died off, and then it got to me, and everybody's word over to me to my parents was, "He's, y'all are going to find him dead. You're going to find him dead. Well, here I am. I'm not dead. I'm alive, and it's because Jesus Christ came in and he said, no, this is going to continue, but only in the spirit. So every one of us, the axe has been, the axe has been laid to the root. Let's just read it. And even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Well, praise God that our earthly lineage can be cut down, but we can live forever in the spirit. And it's real and it's right and it's true. And the the evidence of it is new life. So, I mean, I once was dead and now I'm alive. I once was controlled by the world. I'm now set free as a child of God. Proof. Okay. The next thing. Hey, I thought you said this thing moved. Okay. (laughs) The next thing is Jesus becomes, he, he became my king. I desired total submission to him. Didn't really know what that was, what that meant, but I wanted it. And you know, uh, so in John 1 12, it says, but as many as received him, To them, he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. So you guys, what happened here was a uh, there was a uh, something faltered, though, because whenever I got enlightened and I got brought to life by the spirit, what I did was I I was spiritually adopted, but I was still trying to become my father's son, my natural father's son. His name was Bob. And uh, some people know him, and if you if you knew me before, you knew that me and my dad were hand in hand. You didn't ask me, you didn't talk to my dad without talking about me, and you didn't talk to me without talking about my dad. And we were a concrete we were a concrete family, and uh, that was who we were. You know, and I was such a I was such a selfish son, the prodigal, that I left a lot of a lot of. Uh, things in my path of destruction and one thing I did was I left uh, I left my position as a son to my family well you know what happened to me was I when I got enlightened I went back and I tried to use all that power to rectify the past in my own strength I tried to be the son that I thought I should be that is such a mistake and you will not grow if you do that so for the past 15 years at, so that was 20 years that was 20 years ago, 20 years ago for 15 years. I kept trying to fix the past the whole time. I'm trying to fix the past and try to fit and try to make it being a son, right? I already had started a family of my own 
So I didn't even know how to be a father. I'm still trying to figure out how to be a son and make up for that. So then I drug my family through a bunch of crap because, you know, here I am. I'm not applying. I, I don't know what I'm doing. So anyhow, uh, right here. But as many as received him, to him he gave, to them he gave the right. That word is exousia in the Greek or the whatever it is. And the truth that it, hey, there's, man, get into that. You'll, you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about. It don't really matter because it's spirit. I mean, whether it's English or Greek or whatever, but we get understanding. So that, but that right, there, we have to be given a right to become children of God. So if not, if we don't understand that, we'll go back and we'll keep trying to, to make our flesh right. And that's not what the deal is. This right that he's giving us is actually the power and is actually power and right to step out of our old nature into our new identity and to live that out. All the power is behind the new identity and new creation. There's no power to live. So I go back over here and I keep trying to relive and become Bob's son and make up for it and go show myself to all the people that, that, you know, looked at Bob and said, man, look at that son of Bob's. And I tried to stand strong and be this big concrete guy and all this. And it was dead. The axe had been laid to the root of it when he saved me. So I kept going back and trying to pick it up and there was no power in it. Eventually I burned out. That's what happened. So... Anyways, now, after 15 years later and losing my father in 2006, I never did make up for that. But let me tell you a story. So my father, I was getting on a plane to go to rehab in a drug rehab in Florida in 2006. I was broken. I had a child. I was married. I was losing it. And whenever I went to, he, to get on the plane, I turned around to say goodbye to my father, and he looked at me with the most intense, ferocious pride I have ever seen. And I, I dropped my head and I, I could not, and I did not know what was happening at the time. But he just looked at me like I had been the best son ever. You know, I went to rehab. And before I got back out of rehab and home, my, my father died. I never got to see him again. But you know what? That was Jesus Christ and my father looking at me before I ever put this thing on before I ever walked it out. Uh, he was proud of me. He already saw it. <laughs> Happy Father's Day in heaven, Bob. <clears throat> so the next thing I had to learn was to receive. I'm, I don't like the next thing because this thing jumps all over the place. Has anybody out here been, been trying to do this thing? Yeah. Not next things, next things. It's not like we got it all in order. No, we're so out of order. But he puts it in order. Okay, so we receive mercy and grace to become obedient. Okay. And then we give mercy and grace. So, guys, the Lord woke me up this week. And he woke me up and he told me that mercy and grace realized is the power of obedience. Whenever we, whenever he shows us. By the Spirit, what mercy is and what grace is, in that moment, we are so empowered. I'm telling you, you can't be tempted by sin or anything else. And so those truly are foundational principles, mercy and grace or whatever you want. Where did that come from? Foundational principles. That's not even. I, I mean, it works, but. Hey, I told him he could have it, right? So he's trying to help me out, right? So anyhow, but. uh 
this scripture, I'm going to back up and read verse 15. For neither is circumcision or uncircumcision anything but a new creation. So, and as many as walk according to this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. So, guys, this right here is bringing us out of the out of an old covenant, which we weren't even in, but we were yoked with that in our former teachings as we grew up in the church, if some of you were. But here's here's the thing. When we recognize the mercy and the grace that the Lord has had on us, it shatters everything. And it gives us a new perspective. That perspective that we give, that we now see things and walk out, that we give away, that is the new covenant. That is the new covenant. So uh, it's the fulfillment of the law is to give mercy and grace. The, the law, what we are not to find out, we are not to see our brothers and sisters' faults as a way of accusing or condemning them. It is always as a way to gather them and to love them and to help them because we have to bear each other's burdens. So one thing, uh, I'm going to save that, Lord. Let's move on. Uh, We're going to hit that. Thank you. Please remind me again. Um, I love you, Lord. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I just, I'm so, I'm so grateful, so thankful. You're so good to me. I love you. Okay, here we are. The other thing we do is we live to give evidence that the king of heaven is among us. We talk with God around others, not only about him. In John eleven forty two, Jesus said, and I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Guys, it's time to come out. I mean, are you looking around? Are y'all ready? It's time to really look at this soberly. Let's prepare ourselves. Let's give, the, let's give the world what they need to see. He did not light us up to put us under a bushel, to hide us away in a church building. You guys get ready. You guys put your strength on. Get ready. Fortify your homes. And get ready to preach the gospel everywhere you go. You've got to be the light. We've got to stand up and be strong and be counted. Okay, stop acting something that a son of God does. And daughters, you all know we're all together on this. This ain't no man and woman thing right here. Uh, We have no issues with that kind of stuff. We know who we are. (laughs) Okay, we are to stop acting and God starts acting. For us to stop acting, it's twofold. First, we have to stop acting Christian. We have to just be who God says we are. And the other thing is that when we finally give up trying to control and trying to Christianize everything and make people do what we want them to do, God will stop acting. God will start acting on your behalf. Okay, now I can come back to where I was a while ago. Uh, I'd like to address the uh, the uh, fathers and the families in the room. Um, also, the, the blended families in the room. Uh, I have a stepson. His name is Brandon. He's 25 years old. Um, they're also of uh, the uh, Latino descent. And so we have a blended family and a bicultural family. And so what I want you to know and what I want, you to, what I, what I want to exhort you and tell you is that if you have a, a home where there's a blended situation or even your own family, 
you have to see where the battle lies. The battle lies in your understanding, not in their behavior. Okay? If you're going to try to to make them fit your, your idea of what of what things should be, you're going to do a lot of damage. And if you don't learn to love them first, and if you don't cry out, and if you don't demand that God change you, you will not see victory and forgiveness and love in your home. You'll see division, strife, and the kids will take it on their own, and they'll walk around not knowing who they are. They'll walk around rejected and hurt. But let me tell you, if you will drop and you will give a God everything, I don't care if you miss work. If the time comes upon you and you know that you need God and you need him in your home, you throw off everything and you get on your face with the Father and you cry out and you do not stop crying. I don't care if you're in there for eight hours, 12 hours. I don't care what's going on. You cry out because God will answer. And when you pray for them, do not pray for them to try to shape up to what you think or what you see. You pray that God would have his way in their hearts and that he would raise them up to be the people they are destined to be. I forgot Rod Caldwell. Thank you, Rod. Happy Father's Day. This man got me from the death of my father to Grace Church when I was I had no one. He spoke life into me to keep me alive. I didn't even read the scripture. We're going back. John fifteen five. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. You got it, guys? Nothing. Yeah. Sons of God. Adopted sons of God enrich unity in the family. They no longer view others as enemies. We kind of touched on that. John thirteen thirty five. By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Man, it's hard. But it's simple. We can do this. We can do this. And then lastly, it becomes all about people. Sons of adopted sons of God are peacemakers. Matthew 5, 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. We walk as he walked. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the ability, Lord. It's your excellency. Thank you, Lord. Let me look over a couple of things here. Good soil, guys. You've heard Steve say this. Good soil says, I believe it. So whatever God has spoken to your heart today, whatever uh, whatever it is, good soil says, I believe it, and I will walk in it. So let's, let's, let's be good soil. You can change your soil right now by just simply hearkening to this word. And saying, okay, Lord, and surrendering. And he will walk us out of our nasty circumstances. I also want to exhort uh, the uh, 
I don't want to call I hate the word older generation. Where did that come from? <laughs> Didn't even sound right. Thank you, Lord. But I said it anyway, right, Patty? <laughs> the the only functional family, and I, 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 I'm still working on these extremes when I write. Sometimes I throw my thoughts in there. The functional family is one in which the elders are so occupied with the Lord's mercy and grace that they don't have time to micromanage their family, and they are following Jesus in all things and giving that mercy and grace to their descendants. Grand, grandparents, thank you for your labor, for your work. Thank you for providing at times when your kids faltered. That's not, that's not totally what it's about. We need you guys to push on and follow Christ to the end. We need to see you moving forward, still continuing to fight for your own freedom, for your own uh, life, for Christ's legacy. This is not about the legacy you can pass to your family. Let me tell you, in three generations, it can dry up. In three generations, it can dry up. So don't set your sights on trying, worrying too much about passing on these things to your sons or daughters and, and not pass on the most important thing. And it's not words. It's a life lived. So we desperately want you to go after Christ with all your hearts till the end. We don't need money. We don't need properties. We don't need any of that. You know, our citizenship is in heaven. And we know that. And we're going to preach that. And your kids are going to hear it, and your grandkids are going to hear it. We're going to continue to preach this. How are we doing on time, Steve? Okay. <clears throat> I got through it. Guys, thank you very much. Oh, one question. It's, it's, it's kind of hard to surprise God, uh, but I have one request, family, if you would help me to do something for him. You know, when he saved me, and I asked him, how do I talk to you? And the Spirit seized me, and I looked up in the sky, and I said, you're here, aren't you? And then the Spirit took control of me, and he gave me a song, and I sung it out, and I'd never done anything like that in my life. And it was like 2 o'clock in the morning, and I sang this song, and I'm going to ask you, would you sing it one time with me for Dad? It says, Father, I'll sing it the first time and y'all sing it the next time with me. It's the same words. Oh, Father, you are holy. Oh, Abba, Father, you are mercy. Oh, Father, you are holy. Oh, Abba, Father, your mercy. Oh, Abba, Father, you are mercy. I love you, Dad. Guys, let's welcome Matt Bacon as he comes. Come on, Matt. How do you follow that? I, sh I, sh I should have went first. Steve said, you want to go first or last? I said, I'll go last. That was a poor choice. So some of you may know a little bit of my story. Um, I grew up in church, grew up around Christians. 
Um, my father, earthly father, uh, struggled, uh, as we all do. What I love about what Josh was talking about was he's being real. We all are in this same journey. We all have different levels of experience with pain and suffering. Uh, and I believe the, the, the best life lessons we learn come out of suffering. The good times we blow right past. We're like, that was cool. Nothing happened. But then in the hard times, whenever we're being challenged, we're being molded, is when we really have to dig in to the point of it. I so gravitate towards Job because there's a point to it all. We may not know now why we're going through these things, but later when we turn the corner, we will. So I had uh, I had men in my life that had invested into me, that had encouraged me. Uh, some of them are here that I grew up with at Life Christian. Um, as I transitioned as a youth, uh, I was very stubborn. Uh, my go-to uh, is always sarcasm or making a joke out of stuff because if I'm uncomfortable... We're all going to have a good time, you know. Uh, it was a coping mechanism, and what it did was it allowed me to shut out life. I became dead to it. Uh, I got married and had kids, had responsibilities, um, and I thought, you know what? When God's ready to use me, he'll just say so. No. He was there the whole time. I was ignoring him. I was thinking, you know what? i got to do this on my own. All the examples that I had from my father, you just work hard, you commit to it, and it will work out or it won't. That's not enough. Guys, if we're really setting with the father, and my journey over the last year and a half almost, uh, I started meeting with Steve just because I was at a point where I thought I was done. I didn't want to be married anymore. I didn't want to be a father. I just thought if this is how this life is going to go for me, and I can't get it done myself, then I just need to check out. I just need to be a walking zombie and just deal with things as it dealt with them. Well, luckily there's people, Steve, our elder group, Ron, Don, guys, uh, Ron Garman. I mean, even if I don't become an elder at this church, the, the knowledge and the understandings that I get from that group, I will never be able to replace. It's wise and wisdom-driven men sharing with other men. It transfers over to our household, and then it, in us, allows us to be confident in leading our household, leading our families, being men of Christ. And I want to say this before we get started. It's never too late. I don't care if you're 60 years old and your family's broken and they're mad at you because you're supposed to be something you weren't. It can start today. Okay? It's a, it's a mind shift. If you still got breath in your lungs... God's going to use you, it, whether it's for five minutes or five years. You, he has that ability. I'm so glad my mom's here this morning. Uh, she's been living in Indiana, got remarried after my dad passed. My brother's up there with her. Um, she's helping take care of my wife, who had surgery Friday. And uh, funny story before we get started here, I asked my wife to go through my notes, make sure it made sense. Well, she's, she's heavily sedated <laughs> from, from surgery Friday. I was there. I knew she had surgery Friday. I hand her my notes. I go off, practice songs for today, come back, and it looks like a first-grade teacher went through with a, <laughs> with a red pen. And I was like, what happened? <laughs> 
And so, you know, I had a panic moment, but we're back on point. She loves me. And the best thing about it is my wife is so sensitive. She loves people. She hates letting people down. She normally would have taken it hard. But she's finding herself because I'm stepping up and being the husband that I should have been being from day one. I didn't know then what I know now. Okay? So we can see around the corner. But her reply to me was, I said, what happened? She goes, sorry. (laughs) I thought, well, there you go. So what we're going to talk about this morning real quick is the Christian home. I had no idea what that meant. I have multiple Bibles in my house. I knew people that knew the Bible. I didn't spend time in it. It didn't make sense to me. The model I was following was my own demented or or life-driven model. It's not going to work. As Josh pointed out this morning, I'd rather listen to him talk instead of me up here, honestly. But it it doesn't work. And at some point, it will turn around and you'll have to face it. And hopefully it's not too late for you to have breath in your lungs to fix it. God's biggest biggest thing he's ever shown me today is just love for people. I thought if I couldn't do it myself, I didn't need people. I was self-driven. It's selfishness, pride. But if I can't fix it, who could? Well, God could fix it. And he did it through just being, allowing him to do it, if that makes sense. So we're going to start here. Colossians 3.18. Wives, submit to your husbands as it is fitting to the Lord. 319, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. How many of you in here know what harsh means? <laughs> okay. It's a real thing. And I was told from a day one, I don't like your tone. My tone, it's my voice. But what you don't realize is your tone can really affect people around you. The look on your face can really affect people around you. And until you're aware of your harshness, you're killing things around you and in yourself. 320, children, obey your parents and everything, for this pleases the Lord. You kids in here, take notes. Okay, I should have got this long ago. We're starting early here. And then what we're going to talk about this morning briefly, the part that really gets to me is, Colossians 3.21, fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Provoke, that's a broad term. Sometimes we don't even realize the last year and a half I've been changing my life, my lifestyle, my home, uh, household. I'm paying attention to things that I had already instilled in my kids that were provoking them to fail. That I didn't realize I was cutting them off early. I wasn't letting them be who God wants them to be. I was trying to do what Josh said and trying to conform them to me. You need to meet my standards, even though I don't know what they are. And tomorrow I might wake up and they'll be different. That's impossible. It's unhealthy for all of us. So we go back here to 18. It says, you know, dad is the head of the family. The text says in verse 19, wives submit to your husbands. So if children are to be obedient to mom, and mom is to be, is to submit to dad, then there has, there is a heavy responsibility on dad to lead the family, and to lead not in a way that's harsh with his wife, and not discourage his children. So dad's call is not to discourage his children, and it's part of a larger mission of 
the husband and his fatherly responsibilities rather than his right to, and his right because the reality is it's a privilege to be a husband and a father. It's not your right. It's not something you get to do because it's just the way life is. It is a privilege, and it's a heavy privilege. Um, <clears throat> it's not just your right, and you don't get to be a bully or a tyrant in the house as the head of the household. I didn't know what that meant, bully or tyrant, because I didn't know that's what I was doing. When you grow up believing something's right, you don't realize it's wrong until the devastation is in front of you. And it was more my in, in, internal turmoil. I was emotionally dead, mentally checked out. So it's an impossible responsibility to so deal with our children that they don't become dispirited or discouraged or lifeless. And it involves a work of God and not just man to be able to so carry this privilege in high regard and the great responsibility that it brings. So since verse 20 says children are to obey their fathers and mothers, then fathers should not back away from requiring obedience just because your child tries to use pouting to try and trick dad to get what they want. Do you hear what I said? It's called manipulation. The, <laughs> the devil gives it to all of us. It's cuter when it's your kid and you're like, oh, come on. Well, if it starts small, it ends big. If the family's divided, then the house is divided. The kids can't use mom against dad and dad's against moms. Okay? My kids are getting smarter as they're 10 and 7. They'll tell one of them. The other one will come in and say, hey, can we do this? And I thought, I just had this conversation. I don't know what's going on. I realized they're not illfully. They're just trying to get what they want. We get to decide as parents if we're in the gospel what they should have that's healthy for them, what God has for them. Verse 21, don't discourage your children. That cannot be used against verse 20 for parents to be blackmailed into canceling out the verse 20 here. Child says, look, Dad, you're not supposed to discourage me, and I'm feeling discouraged, so you can't require that of me. Right? Kids are smart. The Bible says you can't do that. And now we're divided. And if you aren't immersed in the gospel, if you're not paying attention to it, you'll just be like, well, I don't want to hurt them. Okay. I don't want to discourage them. Okay. I'll just give them what they want. We're setting them up for failure. Okay. Where do I get off here? So what verse 21 to me is saying is there is a wrong or counterproductive way to require obedience from our children that only discourages them. And the command to dads not to provoke our children to discouragement can't be used to make the dad, and listen to what I'm saying here, passive or lazy or indifferent to the child's misbehavior. Did you catch that? The command to dads not to provoke our children to discouragement can't be used to make the dad passive, lazy, or indifferent to the child's misbehavior. You can't be checked out. Kids need leadership. Your your wife, your household needs leadership. It's coming down to you. You can't be checked out. You can't have a day where you're like, you know what, I'm just not going to do it today. 
that day when you're really struggling, when you're really suffering, you have to seek God. I need the courage and I need the strength to so deal with this today. If you're a vessel and you're doing everything out of love to the tea that God gives it to us, then you will succeed. It may develop over time. It's learned behavior. I got really good at being emotionally dead. It's new for me. I'm learning. We can all do it, right? So what does it look like when we are requiring obedience in a discouraging way to our children that knocks the life out of them? And here they are. This is a combined thing of things I've noticed, uh, some things I've taken some, some conversations with people. So don't try to get obedience by nagging. As I have taken a seat in my household as the head of the house, I pay attention to what's going on, conversations in my house, and how do we diffuse these conversations without this escalating to get out of control where mom might be mad at dad now or you're not helping. How can I be a helpmate to my mate? So the word nagging was invented because there is such a thing as repetitive demand that is really annoying. And when they are demanding, like, I've heard you say that three times now, I'm doing it in the time frame you gave me. You don't have to keep telling me to do it. We've all been there. I've caught myself with my daughter mainly. Clean your room. Should the spear come back? Is your room clean? Yep. I'll go back in there. It's not clean. Well, now I'm playing games. Instead, I should have been in there saying, this is what I expect of you. This is how I want to help you. Right? Nagging is not going to work. Don't try to get obedience by demanding. That's where I grew up. I spent a lot of time with my dad, a lot of times away from my mom. She couldn't protect me from things she wasn't around to protect me from. My dad was a demander. So don't be the dad that only demands and never has a conversation with the child or never encourages the child, never celebrates success with the child or explains in a calm way so that it's more instructive to the child. All the child will ever hear is do, 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 demand, demand, demand. We have to make our requirements part of the fabric of a richer communication with the child so that they know that we are more than a demander. Make sense? The next one, don't try to get obedience by setting the tone where every requirement sounds angry. Whoo, the tone. I don't like your tone where every requirement sounds angry. So if you think the only way to get anything done requires you sounding harsh or mad, then no now, dads, or moms that are having to take the dad role, you don't. It's counterproductive and it's discouraging to be demanding so much so where they feel like they can never win. Next one, don't try to get obedience by, oh, I already did that one. <clears throat> don't try to get obedience by always using blows, a slap happy dad. This one is sensitive because there's a conflict these days with getting onto our children or not. Okay, there's a difference between a well thought out, planned, spanking for the child's misbehavior. It shouldn't be terms to beat the child or to make them flinch happy whenever you decide you're going to raise your hand to them. They have to know, I don't spank my kids a lot, thank goodness, and it's because I've changed the tone in my house. They know the boundary. 
they know if they do these things, just as adults have learned, if we do these things, there's consequences. They're not massive consequences in the sense of every little thing you do deserves a spanking or a swat, but it's a well-thought-out, not angry, okay? The fifth one, don't try to get obedience by embarrassing the child. By asking them to do something that's so obvious they were going to do it anyways, seek ways to make your commands respectful, showing that you expect intelligent obedience. Intelligent obedience is big to me. Our kids are intelligent. God's working in them the way they he works in us. We can have conversations with them. We can teach them what we are wanting of them, right? Number six, don't require obedience by belittling the child. Name-calling, don't speak to them in a way where they feel contempt from you. Don't ask them in a way that you would speak to a three-year-old if they're nine. I find myself at work. My buddy Jamin's back there. He can testify to this. Sometimes I talk to the grown men like they're children. Because it's counterproductive, I'm learning. But if you're not going to get it, I'm going to dumb it down for you. I've realized the change in people just from the change in me. The guys at work that would have beat me up in a back alleyway one day because they caught me and I was, you know, harsh on them are now saying, hey, I appreciate the way you're approaching this with me or teaching me. We have to be the calm in the storm. We can't be the chaos, right? Does that make sense? Don't demand things that are impossible for them to do at their age. That, to me, um, my son's 10. He's a very intelligent person. It's too much so. Uh, I lean on him way too much. I put him in unnecessary places where he's going to get hurt because I put his intelligence over his experience. I hear you talk. I see you do things. Well, that means you're here. And then when he fails, it's a tremendous letdown to me and him. Every son wants to please their father. I can't have unrealistic expectations for him because he's 10, but he acts like a 15-year-old. Does that make sense? I have to remember that he's 10. One of the best things I was told was from my neighbor that was watching Raylan mow my yard, mow our yard. He said, just don't burn him out. And at the time, I thought, okay, what does that mean? Well, just because you can do something doesn't mean you should be doing it. There's limitations to all of this. And lastly, don't try to get obedience without creating an atmosphere of gospel forgiveness. This is important. Because if we don't teach our children why Jesus died on the cross, they know they've sinned. They know they've done wrong. They know these things already. We have to instill in them that they are forgiven. They are children of God. They're not just my child. So that they learn how to cope with the mental 
warfare side of it that we don't get to hear in them. We may see it, but we're all subject to this warfare. Okay, I fought with it for a lot longer than I should have, and I didn't realize the people in my house were fighting with it too. If we don't teach gospel forgiveness, we don't teach them that Jesus has paid the price so that they have a relief and a way to cope with life and the mental and emotional side of it, then we're setting them up for failure. So without this, the child doesn't know what to do with their own sins that they know they commit. Every child knows they do bad things, so then every command from us as their parents starts to feel like a digging of a deeper hole of guilt without a pattern of confession and forgiveness, the child will potentially become secretive and deceitful. If I can't get it right by them, then I'm going to keep it to myself, and I'm going to find ways around it. That's when we get blindsided as parents of, well, I didn't, and I had no idea this was going on, because you weren't paying attention. You weren't connected to the vine you weren't listening and you weren't attentive to what's going on in your household so dads and moms we must speak the gospel we must teach the gospel so our children know and learn how the blood of jesus gives forgiveness and life and relief we must embody the gospel in our own confession of sin as models to them as parents Dads, as the head of the household, in the same way our Heavenly Father has modeled this all to us through His Word, through Jesus Christ, and now through the Holy Spirit He places inside of us. One of the best things I heard from the group that I'm in as this elder group is to keep in mind that we are raising up our children to be adults. I know a lot of people in my life are raising our kids to be kids. Just let them be kids. Well, raising them up to be adults doesn't mean you get to cut off the fun. They have to be grown up today. You're 10, grow up now. It means I'm setting you up for things you're going to go through in life as you progress through these changes. I want you to know, Raylan, at 10, that at 20, what your point is. Your arrow should always point towards this because your experiences may change, but God never changes. He is consistent today. Yesterday, we have to be able to instill in them the forgiveness and the guidance that God gives us. And we have to model that through Jesus Christ and through the Holy Spirit, which he puts in mind of, inside of us. I'm so happy, I'm going to close with this, of the men in this church. I've been here a little over nine years-ish, something. I don't keep track of time really anymore. Um, but this is a completely different environment. It's a healthy environment. There's men that have been beaten down. There's men that have been discouraged, self-discouragement. Most of us put on our own chains. We bought them ourselves, keep them polished. You know, we wear them like they're jewelry. But we're breaking out of that season. And we're taking our place, not only in this church as husbands, but as fathers. And we're rising out of this defeat that we have been dead to for so long we're realizing the damage that is caused and we're repairing it we're starting in our households which bleeds over to this church which will bleed into the community please be encouraged if you feel like today has really just beat you down you can change today what people don't know about you 
or do know about you, that is dead and gone. You can start new today. If you need to repair relationships, repair conversations, or just clear the air with people, do it out of love first, do it with Jesus, and you can't go wrong with this. Even if the other person is dead to this, it'll plant the seed that you're making a conscious effort to be different. You're trying to be the father, the husband, the friend that you should have been. So take heart, dads and future dads, moms, future moms, single parents, widowed parents. God's word is sufficient, and if we embody it and speak it and teach it, we can overcome the strongholds of our common enemy and give God the glory for our children and our spouses. Thank you, guys. I love you all. Be encouraged today. Amen. Wow. Give me a hug, man. Love you, man. Wow. Musicians, go ahead and uh, come join Matt here on the stage. So that's some rich teaching. Amen. Uh, Matt and Josh both. As I was sitting there, I was reminded. I want to leave you with this. It's Galatians chapter 6. I was reminded of this this morning. I think the Holy Spirit kept having Matt come back to, hey, uh, maybe it hadn't been what you wanted it to be, but you can start today. You really can start today. If you don't like the harvest that you have in your home, and I'm talking about whether you're a single parent home or you're a blended family or your standard uh, husband and wife home, or if you don't like the harvest, just change your seed. You know, sowing and reaping is in effect, guys. If we've got a certain harvest we don't like very much, it started with seed. So we can change our seed. Galatians 6, 6 says, or 6, 7, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, this he'll reap. For he who sows to his flesh, selfishness, pride, those things, will of the flesh reap corruption. But if we'll sow to the Spirit, we will reap of the Spirit everlasting life, eternal life, true riches. And let us not grow weary while doing good. Amen. For in due season we will reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, listen to this, let us do good to all. As long as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the uh, the household of faith. If you don't know where to start, start with an apology. If you didn't model it well in the way of righteousness and love and truth, then you're still a model Model humility. Model repentance. Guys, I missed it. I didn't, I didn't lead well. I didn't, uh, communicate well. Whatever it may be, if the atmosphere of your home has been challenged. But we say this all the time. There's a place for grace in humility. Is that not what scripture says? God opposes the proud and the independent. I, I got it. I'll do it. But he gives grace to the humble. So if it's found out about you, what's been found out about the rest of us, and that is that we all need Jesus, a whole bunch, then don't quit. Get up with the rest of us. Are we not proud of guys like Josh and Matt who could have checked it in a year or two ago, but they said, you know what? I'm not doing that way anymore. Amen. And that's what, that's what Matt sees with the men here. And the women too, but there's no doubt been a shift in the men over the last year. Will you stand with me? Matt, Josh, thank you guys so much. We need to definitely do this some more. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here this morning, you'd say, Brother Steve, I just want God's grace. 
upon my decision today that I'm going to change my seed. I want to shift, as Matt was even saying at the end, I want to change the atmosphere, excuse me, change the atmosphere and the tone of my home. If that's you this morning, whether you're a husband, wife, father, uh, mother, if that's you, just open your hand. We're going to ask for the grace of God. We're going to sing good, good father this morning because he is a good, good father. But Lord, we open our hearts this morning to receive grace and mercy, to help in our time of need. I believe there's so many here, myself included, Lord, we just need to change our seed and what we're sowing in some areas and some attitudes. So I thank you, Holy Spirit, uh, for, the, for the, the grace of Christ that's now resting upon each one. There'll be grace upon this decision, grace and power. Grace and power, just like Josh said this morning, when we come for mercy and grace, it is the empowerment that we need to walk out our obedience. We love you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Let's sing this together.